Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Aren't you thankful? You've been set free. Hallelujah. Thankful for what I feel in here all this morning. Oh, Lord. I was uh, probably two weeks ago, the Lord started dealing with me about this message and I began to put it, put it together and, and if you're a minister, you understand that that's nice and the Lord gives you plenty of time to go back and adjust some things, but uh, this morning when Brother Herndon was preaching, he began to step on some things that I was going to be speaking of, so, and I haven't spoken to him, he didn't know what I was preaching, I didn't know what he was preaching, so I'm absolutely certain that God has something to speak to Hatch Ben today, something specific, and I feel very confident in that. I'm so thankful again for what we feel in here. Our pastor and sister Boyd is out this morning. Let's keep them in our prayers, and um, just uh, if you would turn to your Bibles to the book of Second Samuel, chapter 13. Praise God. Praise God. Second Samuel chapter 13, verse 10 through 14. Glad to see our guests here with us this morning. Praise God. If you hear more than once, you're not a guest anymore. My daughter and my grandson's here this morning. It's always good to see both of them. We just love him to death. That's right, boy. You. Praise God. Second Samuel chapter 13. And Amnon said unto Tamar, Bring the meat into the house, or into the chamber that I may eat of thy hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the chamber to Amnon, her brother. And when she had brought them unto him to eat, he took hold of her and said unto her, Come lie with me, my sister. And she answered him, Nay. Nay, my brother, do not, do not force me, for no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Do not this folly, do not this folly. Verse 13 says, And I, whither shall I cause my shame to go? And as for thee, thou shalt be as one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore, I pray thee, speak unto the king, talking about David, for he will not withhold me from thee, how be it. He would not hearken, Amnon would not hearken unto her voice, but being stronger than she, forced her and lay with her. In verse 13, I think it's in the common, uh, the common English Bible, it says, where can I hide my shame? So that's going to be my title this morning. Where can I hide my shame? 
If you'll put your Bibles down and pray with me this morning. Lord, we thank you already for visiting us us here this morning. God, we ask you to anoint our ears and our hearts to receive this word. Praise God, give us faith to believe what you're speaking to us, God. And give us a mind and a heart to respond to what you're saying, God. Help me, Lord, anoint me to deliver what you've given to me, Lord. In the spirit that I should give it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And you may be seated. Where can I hide my shame? I was reading a, a book here a while back and... There was a chapter in there that was actually named this. And when I began to read the chapter, I knew right then the Lord was giving me a word. And um, so I'm going to, I'll reference that a a little bit here today, that book. Um, It really spoke to me. Um, So I want to, I know that the Lord, again, as I said, has given me a word for us this morning. Shame. Embarrassing moments we've all been there at one time or another when you say something or do something that makes you just want to crawl in a hole and die (laughs) you know it just come out and you can't you can't pull it back walking through a mall or a busy place with a stream of toilet paper hanging from you (laughs) praise God we've been there we've all been embarrassed there's a woman walking out through her neighborhood you know she was walking and noticed that a neighbor of hers was waving at her, you know. So excited that her neighbor seems to notice her. She was, so she waves back rather enthusiastically. Hey, you know, she's waving back only to notice that the neighbor was washing her windows. <laughs> I mean, you can't take that back. You've already done it. Praise God. Oh, Lord, you've... Uh, You've seen that you ever been somewhere, maybe at conference, I've done this myself at conference, and someone looked, they, they, you know they're looking right at you, and they go, they wave, and you wave back, and it's not you they're waving at, they're waving at the person behind you. Praise God. A guy goes into a barber to get a haircut. Barber asks him, he says, what do you do for a living? And the guy says, I'm a writer, what about you? And the barber says, I'm a barber. <laughs> we we uh we've done this and so uh that guy didn't go back there he went somewhere else these embarrassing moments are a blow to our ego but they do pass and we can laugh about them later not then but later we can laugh about them but today i'm not talking about embarrassing moments i want to talk about something a little bit deeper than a moment of embarrassment maybe something happened to you when you was a child, it was out of your control. You were innocent, you were an innocent victim like Tamar, helpless, undeserving of what has happened to you, leaving you broken and lonely without answers. I think that that can be the worst when there's just no answers. When there's no answers, there's no hope. You don't have an answer. You have no hope, no way of escape. There's no time clock to go back and... Uh, do something different. The pain is so heavy, all you can think is, how did I end up here? How did I get here? I came to tell somebody today that God is reaching for you. You're not here by accident. You're here on purpose. He's concerned about you. 
and He desires a relationship with you, God works through anything and everything. He does. You can see God. If you'll just look, you can see Him working there. I was listening to a guy on the podcast the other day. His name is Jeremy Painter. He's a, a, a very good writer. Um, he's deep. It's, it's, you li- even listening to him talk, he's hard to understand. You have to really pay attention. But he's deep and he's good. And he said that you can find God in almost anything or anyone. I'm going to use my words, but like artists or actors, etc., um, not an excuse to follow them, but it, sometimes God will use what they're saying. He's speaking through them. Um, you, he, through an atheist. He, he, he'll use an atheist. An atheist, without their knowing, without their knowledge, God can work through anyone or anything. It's, it's, it's done on accident, if you will. It's not by their own knowing, but if you pull back the curtain you can in their life, you can see God was moving in their life at some point and sometime. God can, can, can use anybody. He's uh, used atheist artists uh, to destroy other doctrines. The doctrine of the Trinity. I, I know a guy that just picked that apart. He's an atheist, but he, he picked that apart and said, no, that's not where the church... The church didn't begin in 325. The church began in the book of Acts. I mean, he just knew. So God can, can, can show up and, and, and use people because without their knowledge, God showed them the error of that doctrine. God can work through a mess. He can use a broken heart. He can use a broken heart. Whitney Houston wrote a song called, Where Do Broken Hearts Go? Where Do Broken Hearts Go? Whitney was raised in a Baptist church, but... She spent a lot of time attending and singing in a Pentecostal church. Perhaps she was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't know. But I know she knew this truth. She knew it very well. Elvis Presley died on August 16, 1977 at the age of 42. But in 1949, the then 13-year-old Elvis was baptized in Jesus' name along with his parents that had received the oneness message. Reverend J. Rex Dyson baptized them, and they attended that church. I don't know whether or not Elvis ever received the Holy Ghost, but I do know that he knew this truth. I don't know what happened the day he died. I wasn't there, neither were you, or Whitney. I I wasn't there, but maybe in the last moment... In the last few minutes of their life, maybe they reached out and called on God. I'd like to think they did that instead of the alternative. I don't want to ever judge someone and say, well, I don't know if they made it. Lord, I don't know if they made it or not. That's for God to know. I pray that they did. I pray that they did. Praise God. Both of these artists sung worldly songs and made a healthy living uh, doing so. But they also recorded some gospel songs that have blessed millions of people. Millions of people. You see, God didn't let their fall from grace stop Him from using their talents to reach people. You could still see Jesus in there. That doesn't mean that He agreed with their lifestyle. But I'm here to tell you that He's in all things. One scripture says Christ is all and in all. Praise God. He's always reaching. He's long-suffering. 
And the church should always be reaching. The church also should be long-suffering. In this book, it says, The unspeakable tragedy of wanton lust, Amnon forced his sister, Tamar. Despite her incessant pleas, he lusted after her. He feigned or pretended to be sick and requested she bring him food. When Tamar did so, Amnon forced himself upon her. But before he did, she pleaded and protested and asked a piercing question. If you do this, where can I take my shame? What's going to happen to me when you do this? Where can I go? Her appeal was ignored as she begged, don't do this to me. You're my brother and you're putting me in an impossible situation. The shame of this will be more than I can shoulder. Life will, for me would be over. This would haunt me for the rest of my life. There's, there's nowhere I could go to get away from this. Nowhere. Somebody here knows what I'm talking about. You felt this. This is something you've been feeling with. Maybe you're dealing with now. There's nowhere I could get away from this. Nowhere to hide from this. My reputation, my name would be shattered. This shame will be with me always. And there will be nowhere I could take my shame. Tamar understood that this would have a profound impact on her life. A price too high to pay. The talk of the town, the community. Man, friends, it didn't matter if she was the king's daughter. This, was, this, you, she, this would destroy her, even her family members. What an unfair, unfortunate situation. And Amnon refused to listen to her and gave in to this moment of lust and forever sealed her destiny. Tamar puts ashes on her head and tore a robe that was on her and left that chamber with nothing but, for, but her shame and disappeared from Scripture. Wow, what a tragedy. Shame tells us we deserve what happened to us, that we, don't des- that we do des- or don't deserve to have a better life. You, don't, you deserve this. You, you, you put yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. You had something to do with this. Shame does that. Shame becomes our friend, our only friend sometimes. Darkness is where we feel most comfortable because in the darkness you can hide. No one can see it. That's right. No one can see it. I can remember, I'm going to step out of my notes for a minute, and I can remember partying all night long and then that night I'd be looking at the clock knowing that the sun was coming up. And some of you may know how I feel or how I felt then. And that was, a, that was a, 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 a feeling of you just didn't want the sun to come up on you. You wanted to be in bed asleep before the sun rose. Because when the sun rose, reality began to set in what you had done. You had blowed all your money. And now you're going to have to face what you had done. So as long as the dark was still there, you felt okay. It's a real feeling. It's, not, it's something not just put in a book. It's real. I'm here to tell you darkness is where people, when they're feeling shame, feel most comfortable. Shame leaves one with a feeling of embarrassment and humiliation. And these feelings arise given the perception of having done something dishonorable, immoral, and improper. People who experience shame usually try to hide it by putting on a smile. They, 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 they've gotten good at smiling. They learn behaviors. They learn behaviors. 
They see others that have what they pierce or perceive as a normal life and begin to follow their behavior in order to further hide their shame. That's right. Like Adam and Eve, naked and ashamed, we hide to attempt to cover it up. Adam and Eve, we know, used fig leaves to cover up their sin, but that wasn't enough to cover it. They were left exposed. Praise God. We can give off the impression to newcomers that Brother Hernan talked about this a little bit this morning, that newcomers said all they need to do, repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, and receive the Holy Ghost, and this is the cure-all. We do. We've done that. Oh, you just need the Holy Ghost. You just need the Holy Ghost. They can leave the altar. And oftentimes their lives is in a lot of ways hasn't changed at all, really. Their circle of friends is still there. Sometimes their addictions are still there. Their marriage is still on the rocks. They still suffer from abuse. They're still battling with depression. Oh, I know I'm making some eyebrows lift a little bit. You're talking about what are you saying? Some believe the altar experience is all you need, but, I, but like my dad says, there's some holes you've got to fill. You, you, you can, the sins can be washed away, but there's some consequences that will always be there. Praise God, that will always be there. Some holes that you'll have to fill. He's our Father. And like our father, earthly fathers, He's not going to just do it all for us. There's some things that He will require us to do on our own. I know. I know. There I go again. But the Holy Ghost does it all. You've got to do some things on your own. you just got to do it on your own. Praise God. We've heard said that it says He does it all, but I, I want here to tell you that's just nonsense. That's just nonsense. He doesn't do it all. What kind of saints would we be if He just done it all? We, could, we don't even need to be here. If He just did it all, we don't even need to be here. Praise God. Just haul off and get the Holy Ghost. Well, you do need to get haul off and get the Holy Ghost, but I'm here to tell you, you better get a shovel and a rake because there's some holes that you're going to have to fill. Praise God. I'm going to be truthful with you. There's some things you're going to have to do. When we leave that altar the first time with that first experience, though, listen to me. You think, well, he's preaching gloom and bloom. No, 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 listen. When you get the Holy Ghost that first time and you'll just step back and allow the blood to flow, praise God, it will begin to wash away all those impurities. But you've got to give it time. The problem is not the Holy Ghost isn't enough. That's not it. Hallelujah. The problem is that the Holy Ghost is progressive. It's, a, it's progressive. It needs the time it takes to flow through you. I said the blood still works. I don't want to give off the wrong impression. The blood still works if you'll let it work. It's a process. You didn't get all messed up overnight. And I'm here to tell you this morning, it's not going to get cleaned up overnight either. Praise God. When you, when you are hired at your job, you went in with the understanding that there was going to be some training involved. You weren't just going to hit the ground running. They weren't going to make you sergeant. They weren't going to make you manager. No, there are some things that you're going to have to do. The training will teach you how to be effective at your job. God is looking for effective saints to be vessels He can use in His kingdom. So there's some of us that won't get sober the first time in the altars. Some of us will have more to clean up than others will have. Our shame may not disappear immediately, 
The debilitating crushing that has broken you may not heal overnight all at once. But I'm here to assure you that God knows what He's doing. Hallelujah. That's not something for you to worry about. God knows what He's doing. He will bring you through it. And He will cover your hurt. There's a place for you and your pain. I'm here to tell you, our Father will hide your shame. Hallelujah. He will hide our nakedness with His righteousness. Praise God. If you want the honey, I heard somebody preach this uh, last night. If you want the honey, you're going to have to suffer through the bees. You're going to have to suit up. If you want that blessing, you're going to have to suit up because there's some bees there that are waiting for you, but you can't let the bees stop you because there's some honey there that's waiting for you, and you're just going to have to put on the whole armor of God. When you get the Holy Ghost, that's when you've got to suit up. You've got to put on the helmet of salvation. You've got to grab that shield of faith. You've got to put on the breastplate of righteousness. You've got to have your feet shod with the preparation and the readiness to preach the gospel. You've got to be careful where you walk. You've got to be careful what you say. Hallelujah. You want the blessings of God. We've got to suit up. We've got to suit up. Praise God. Hallelujah. The last Adam accomplished what the first failed to do, it covers our shame. He not only forgives sins, but he will hide your shame as far as the east is from the west. Hallelujah. Not the north from the south. Because see, when you get to the north pole, when you go one step past it, you're going south. And vice versa, when you go to the south pole, you go one step past the south pole, you're going north. But when you head off going east, or when you head off going west, you're always heading west. You're always heading west. So when I say he'll hide it as far as the east is from the west, I'm here to tell you, you won't see it anymore. If you'll let God move, you won't see your shame. You won't see your sins anymore. Praise God. Bring him your shame. The book goes on to say that Jesus came so the outrage of Amnon's sin would not have the last word in Tamar's life. Man, I know I've had a horrible life before Jesus. I don't like talking about my life. I really don't. I don't like it at all. It's, 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 it's a bad memory. It's a whole bad decades of bad memories. There's nothing, nothing good come out of that life. Nothing. I hate to say it, but nothing come out of that life that was any good. It's a shame, but it's just the truth. Hallelujah. But I'm here to tell you, don't let what's happened to you have the last word. No, no, no. It can't have the last word. That, don't let that discourage you from getting past that and getting a hold of Him. Let, let Jesus, he, he came to prevent the sins we commit or sins committed against you from becoming divining, the defining stories of your life. He sure did. He came to set you free. He came to break the yoke of bondage. He came to hide your shame. Oh my goodness, aren't you thankful for the blood? Hallelujah. There's not anybody in this building that was born out of sin. You were born in sin. You may not have went through something that somebody else did, but let me tell you something. We all end up, if we don't get the Holy Ghost, we'll all end up in the same place. So it doesn't matter if you sin as much as I sin. The consequences, if you don't get the Holy Ghost, is the same hell. So it really, you, you've got as much to worship about as I do. Well, I didn't do all that, but you still got enough to worship. Uh, come on. 
We're going to the same hell if we don't make it to heaven. Praise God. Matthew's genealogy of Jesus includes the shame of a prostitute named Rahab. Amen. There's another Tamar in Genesis that ends up in the genealogy of, of Jesus. Solomon birthed by Bathsheba who had been the wife of Uriah. It seems like the scripture doesn't want to let you forget about that. You go all the way to Matthew and they still want to let you know that that was the wife of Uriah. And see, you know, it just kind of lingers there. But I'm telling to tell you, when it's under the blood, it doesn't linger with God. When, it's, when he's finished with it, he's finished with it. It may linger with people, but it don't linger with God and that's all that matters. Their shame didn't exclude them from being in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. Woo, I'm here to tell you that Jesus was pure, undefiled, not because of their righteousness, but because of His righteousness. Hallelujah. You can be a part of His bloodline. That's what I'm telling you here today. No matter what happened to you, you can get into the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Aren't you? Hey, what a God we serve that says, I'm not concerned about that. I'm not worried about that. I'll put you in my bloodline. I'll give you an inheritance. You can be my son. You can be an heir through Christ or to God through Christ. You, you, you and me can be an heir of God through Christ. No matter what. Praise God. He cares about you. You're not here on accident. He beckoned you here today. He put some things in order. You're here by the design power of an almighty God. You can trust Him. He will not expose your shame. He'll hide it under the blood. So don't let your past shame dictate your, what your future, can, your future crown of gold can be. We could, you got a crown waiting for you. Don't let your past shame stop you from receiving that crown. God doesn't hide his eyes in disgust. Our sins are not, in, not a new sin to God. Mm-mm. No. He's seen it all. He knew you were going to do it before you did it. He knows all things. He's a God that works outside of time. He already sent something, an angel in the future that protected you. Hallelujah. I've been shot at, literally shot at by bullets, by a gun. I know that God put an angel with me. I know that I know that I know that God has saved me. I don't know all the times He saved me, but I do know of some specific times that only the hand of God saved me from dying this night. I should have died. I, didn't, I don't say I had a death wish when I was in the world. I just really didn't care if I did die. At least at the moment, I would have cared if I really did die. But at the moment, it didn't bother me. I wanted to see how much I could drink. I wanted to see how much dope I could do. And for some reason, the sun rose up and I was still alive. I'm here to tell you why. Because God had an angel with me. He said, I've got bids on him. You can't kill him. He's mine. He belongs to me. Come on, so if there's any Tamars in the house today, you need to bring your shame to God. Don't let what's happening to you go, going on in your life stop you from coming to an altar and saying, God, I can't hide my shame nowhere else. But somebody said, I can bring my shame to you. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, Tamar. I know there's some in the house. I know there's some Rahabs in the house today. Hallelujah. Can the Tamars and the Rahabs just bring their shame to church? Can Let me say that slower. 
can the Tamars and the Rahabs. I know Brother Hernan tapped on this this morning. But I feel like in the Holy Ghost, really when he was preaching, I said God's got something to say to hatch men. This day, Pacific, can they show their faces here? This is the real question. Can they come here? Will the smell of alcohol, I'm going to really get on this now. Will the smell of alcohol and cigarettes offend the saints? I'm not talking about out there. I'm talking about in here. In here, in the house of God. Will the smell of body odor, I said, will the smell of body odor offend the saints in the house of God? We're getting quiet now. We're getting quiet now. Our churches should have a little smell of the, in the congregation. Oh yeah. I need more than a couple of amens. I said the congregation of the house of God should have a little smell in it. We should smell like the world. Come on now. If we all saved, we can just go home. We need to have a little smell in the congregation. There's, then there, if there's nobody that needs saving, then there's none here that needs redeeming. God help us if this isn't a place where shame can come. Shame is welcome. God help us if this isn't a house of restoration and hope and love. God help us if this isn't a place for the brokenhearted. Where can the brokenhearted go? I can tell you where they can go. They can go to Hatchman Apostolic Church. That's where the brokenhearted could go. Where can I hide my shame? At Hatchman. Can the bridegroom and the bride say, Come, come, come. Praise God. Can the wayward son still come home? I'm a, I'm a witness that he can. The wayward son can come home. Is this still his home? Is he still going to feel welcome when he or she comes home with the, will the lights be on? Will the doors be unlocked? Oh God, these are real questions we need to ask ourselves because it's easy to say amen, amen, amen until somebody really comes in with body odor, Brother Williams. Right? Some of us know what I'm talking about right there. Hmm? When the real smell of that body odor comes in the house of God and you can smell it throughout the house of God, what are you going to do then? Oh, hallelujah. I'm thankful that I was tested about that. I know what I did. I just closed my eyes and just kept praying. Lord, he needs the Holy Ghost. He needs the Holy Ghost. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I remember preaching one time and, and lights for Christ and its sin was so thick in there. But I said, I just kept preaching. I just kept preaching in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost hit that young man and he just started crying. He didn't know what he was crying for. But we laid hands on him and God began to move on him. Because I wasn't worried about how Larry felt. I knew he was a child and he was created by God. And he deserved to have his shame covered. God forbid. God forbid. God forbid. Oh Lord. God forbid. Noah built an ark. Not just for the saving of his family but for the preservation of the world. I just want to ask us, are we preserving this truth for the next generation? Like Papa did. My dad walked in here in 1980, I believe, in 1980, as took over pastor. The first year, not a year and some months, the 
the first year baptized 47 people. Now, they walked into something already flowing. So he don't, they don't get all the credit the saints was in there, but Papa and the rest of them praying. Hallelujah. They left, they left a foundation for the next generation. And when they come in the first year, they were able to baptize almost 50 people, and half of them stayed. I'm here to tell you, we got to make sure we're leaving a foundation for the next generation just in case the Lord tarries. So when they come in here, they can hit the ground running. No, we don't need something to lead them something they got to clean up. Some thorns and thistles in the, in the, in the vine vineyard that they got to go out and weed out. They can't even get to the grapevine because there's so many thorns and thistles. thistles. The doctrine has been destroyed. They got to dig it back up. We got to make sure that we're leaving the Acts 238 message. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I, even I, am the Lord. And beside me, there is no Savior. Beside me, there is no God form. We got to make sure that they understand that and they're able to continue to preach it. You must repent and be baptized. Not just repent, you've got to repent and be baptized in the water, full immersion. That baptism mess is getting thrown out. Oh, you don't need that. You don't need that. Yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. They're lying to you. You better open up your Bible. They baptize in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, full immersion. That's the gospel. Praise God. Are we leaving a vineyard that's already producing fruit? Praise God. We got to make sure we're leaving something built on the Word of God. Holiness, separation from the world. God forbid. If this house becomes a house of a place of community, hold on. I know what the word means. Community and no longer a house of unity. If it becomes a feeling of fellowship with others as a result, we got our own little cliques. You know, we just hang out. We can get along. We got a lot in common. That's what you call community. Sharing common attitudes and interests and goals. That's good on the job site, but that ain't very good in the house of God. We need to be united and joined together with one objective. And that's to further the kingdom of God. We gotta have one thing in mind. We gotta we gotta win some souls. That should be top priority. I know they say a lot. We say it all the time. Talking about the preaching here, the greatest moment that we've all been waiting for, the preaching of the word. And that's true, that stands. But I'm here to tell you something this morning that that should not be our target. No, if that was our target, we just all preach and, hey, hallelujah, I'm glad I'm saved and kick out the door. No, when I'm preaching, I'll just say for me, when Larry's preaching, my target is this altar. I'm looking for somebody to get something, hold, get a hold of something. I'm looking for tears to start flowing. If I got to just pick someone out, single someone out, and preach to just them because God's speaking to me, that's who my target is. And I'm going to preach to them. I'm going to reach for them because that's a lost soul. He came to save that which is lost, not which is found. He came to save that which is broken, not which is healed. Hallelujah, so my target is the altar. I'm reaching for the altar. I'm looking to fill it up, or he, he fill it up. But that's my purpose, to bring his word, deliver it, so in hopes that the altar will be filled with conviction 
and brokenness. That should always be our target. Praise God should always be our target. I got to hurry. We got to have one thing in mind, and that's to further the kingdom of God. Like when Jesus told his disciples, he said, that one of you shall betray me. Now, a lot of times you say something like that, people start looking around. I bet it was Chris. That's probably Jerry. He wasn't here last Wednesday. It's him. I've been watching him. Yeah, I don't know about him. That's just Amy, I'm telling you. She didn't speak to me the other day. I think it was her. I think it's her. Watch. Watch. But that wasn't their response. One of you shall betray me. And their response was this. Is it I? Come on, is it I? Am I the problem? Is it me, Lord? (laughs) Brother Boyd preached this a couple of weeks ago. I believe it was him that preached it. Is it me? Am I the problem? Is he speaking to me? Am I hindering this from moving forward? Am I standing in your way, Lord? Oh, God, don't let me get out in front of you. Don't let me get away from you. Don't let me get off on my own, God. But order my steps. Make my feet like hinds feet. Set me upon my high places, Lord. Order my steps today. Lead me in a plain path. I don't want to get off on my own. So is it I, Lord? Is it me, God, that's hindering this movement? Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? Reveal it to me. Hallelujah. Am I covering? Am I covering shame or revealing shame? Am I covering shame or revealing shame? After the waters were abated, Noah built an altar. And then he planted a vineyard and got drunk and passed out on the floor of his tent. This is the same Noah that after being warned of God of the flood to come move with fear and prepared an an ark to the saving of his house. That Noah who became the heir of righteousness found himself in great shame. One of his sons named Ham walked in on his father and mocked his nakedness. He mocked him. He laughed at him. He laughed at his shame. However, his brothers Shem and Japheth and this is what the church should do. Shem and Japheth refused to gaze upon their father's nakedness. But instead, they just walked in backwards, walked in softly. You got to walk in softly. And they just laid the blanket over him. And they didn't look at him and covered his shame. And that's what they did. They didn't, they didn't even want to wake him up. Don't, even, don't disturb him. Just ease in softly. Walk in backwards. And they laid the blanket over him and covered his drunken shame. That's what the church is here for. So again, Brother Boy said it the other night. Can the bridegroom and the bride, the bride also say come? Come, it's okay. We got this. Come on. Come on. There's nothing to worry about it. Come on in the house of God. Praise God. I I pray that that's our spirit. I pray that's Larry's spirit. When I see somebody coming in, maybe, maybe they're a lot different than me. Maybe they're a lot different than I am. But I say come. Come, come. Because if God can save me, I'm certain that he can save anybody else. Let the church always be a house of shame. 
Just bring that shame right on in here to God. We really can't cover it. We can't fix it, but God can. God, who is rich in mercy, will hide it with His blood. So let the church have the spirit of gentleness, kindness, meekness, humbleness of mind, long-suffering. The music's coming. Long-suffering. We must be long-suffering. Jesus' life demonstrated His relentless, relentless wooing of the shame. We're talking about a man that laid hands on people that had leprosy. We had a problem laying hands. I'm going to step on this really now. We had problems laying hands on people that had COVID. I said, we had problems laying hands on people that had COVID. If we did, we wore a mask, maybe throw the oil at them. Huh? I mean, we do preach that he's a divine God and all you need is faith to heal. He'll take care of it. So if we're not practicing what we're preaching, what are we doing? I'm here to tell you, I'm not going to line up with no preacher that's going to step out there like that. If you don't believe it, how are you going to get me to believe it? You don't even believe it. Here you are throwing the oil. Huh? That ain't what the Bible says. That ain't what Jesus did. He didn't say, well, it might be contagious. No, no, no. Leprosy was seriously contagious. He walked in there and he laid hands on people that had leprosy. He rose them from the dead. The whole Gospels is about him reaching people with shame and sin. The woman married that washed her, his, his feet with her, the tears from her face. Hallelujah. My goodness, Mary Magdalene that cast out seven devils. He was, all, that was, his, he was in the business of reaching people that was shamed. That was what he was doing. Praise God. He reached for the despised, the rejected, the outcast. You know what brokenness feels like. Some of us really know what brokenness feels like. It becomes who you are. And you think that God couldn't use you. You don't have nothing to offer. And that he has no desires for you because of the shame and the life you've lived. There's no way you could be any use in his kingdom. Yet here you sit. Because he has beckoned you here. He's looking for someone lost in their shame. He's looking for another Rahab or Bathsheba to add to his bloodline. He's looking for you. Hallelujah. He's reaching for the brokenhearted. He's looking for somebody that's been rejected by the world. He's looking for somebody who's not perfect. He's looking for someone who's always picked last. Hallelujah. That you're not invited to the party. When's the last time you've been invited out to eat? He's looking for you. He's looking for you. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, he's looking for you. Another woman at the well. He's looking for another Rahab, another Tamar, another Lazarus. He's looking for another Jerry Herndon. He's looking for another Jerry Fears. He's looking for another Larry Newburn. I'm here to tell you, he's looking for you this morning. Hallelujah. He understands what shame and piercings feel like. He hung on a cross and forgave everybody that was mocking him. They knew not what they were doing, but he forgave them. He wept over them. He knew what was coming in just a few years when they, when they said, uh, 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 we swear to this on our children. Oh, what? He knew what was coming, that their children wouldn't suffer because of it. 
I'm here to tell you, bring your shame to this altar this morning. You and Jesus are a match made in heaven. If you'll stand with me this morning. You and Jesus are a match made in heaven. Oh, Lord. Bring it to him. I invite you to this altar. and Bring your shame. Don't leave nothing. Bring that to him and let God cover it. Let God heal your mind, your body, your spirit. The Lord loves you and he needs you. He needs you. He needs you. Let's worship the Lord. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.